Today's reading comes from 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He reigned 40 years over Israel, 7 in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his rule was firmly established. Down to chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, You've shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honour, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realised it had been a dream. This is God's word. Well, church, I brought you down here to the beach for my morning walk this morning, my daily exercise, because I wanted to show you the surfers and show you the surf and show you the beach, because I think it speaks to our story today of young King Solomon being in over his head. You see, when uh, we first finished Bible college and we moved uh, as a young couple, Carly and I, I was barely 30, uh, we had a couple of tiny little kids with us and we moved down to a tiny little surfing village called Jeringong. And surfing was huge in Jeringong. When you went to Jeringong, you're expected to surf. Our whole evening service crew surfed and they took great delight in, say, in teaching the new minister how to surf. The trouble was I was just a, a land mammal. I'm a hills boy. I grew up an hour away from the surf, so I didn't grow up surfing at all. I actually uh, had never really surfed before, but Jeringong is a surfing community. Uh, Sally Fitzgibbon, who we got to know, grew up there. She was an Olympian you might have seen in the Olympics. Uh, Owen and Tyler Wright, who you also saw in the Olympics, grew up just down the road at Culburra. An 11-time surfing world champion, Kelly Slater, the, a god of the sport, would come and surf our local break at Jeringong whenever he was in country. It was, whenever it, when he was in Australia, he would, 
he would come down to Jeringong. He had mates in town. Whenever he was out on our local break, people would come down and watch Kelly Slater surf. So surfing was big. Surfing was important. But as I said, I had never done it before. I had grown up not surfing at all, so it was all new to me. And I quickly discovered that I was in way over my head. <laughs> you see, one cubic meter of water weighs a ton. <laughs> so the surf doesn't have to be particularly big to be very scary. I also found out that surfing was very hard work. It really works the shoulders. Just getting out through the breakers is hard work. You duck dive down under a wave and you pop back up and there's another one about to crash down on top of you. It's hard work just getting out the back so you can have a bit of a breather before actually catching a wave. And it doesn't have to be over your head to be scary. Surfing can be really scary stuff, I discovered. I discovered that before I even left the sand and before my toes hit the water, I learned that it was a very good idea to pray beforehand. Heavenly Father, help me to do what I need to do right now. Many a time I prayed, Lord, give me skills or give me gills. Lord, give me what I need right now for the challenge that I'm about to face. I was in over my head many a time when I was learning to surf. The surf's pretty calm, not very big today, but even that could be challenging for a beginner surfer like I was at the time. In our story today, a young King Solomon is in over his head. The story goes that his father, the great King David, is dead. And young King Solomon knows that he is in way over his head. Not only is he grieving the loss of his father, he realises that he has a huge act to follow. His father was David, da King David, the giant slayer. The, the great warrior king, the one who made Israel a world power for the only time in its history. He was, a, he was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. I mean, how do you follow that? He was a flawed man, of course, but having David as your father must have been an incredible weight for young Solomon to have to carry. And so we read in our story that the writer of 1 Kings is trying to be very kind to Solomon. It says that the young King Solomon following David's death, he, he loved God and he tried to walk in his father's footsteps, but he was offering sacrifices and incense on the high places. Now, what you need to know about that is that the only place he should have been offering sacrifices was in Jerusalem, where the Ark of the Covenant was. The only people who offered sacrifices up on the other high places were the pagans offering sacrifices to their pagan gods. So although it might look as though Solomon was doing the right thing, it, the story opens up with him being at Gibeon, the most important of high places, offering a thousand sacrifices. So it might look as though he was being all holy and righteous and trying to seek God's blessing, but in actual fact what's happening here is Solomon's trying to run away from God. He's actually just procrastinating. But what he should be doing is being back in Jerusalem, getting on with the business of being king, of, of governing the people and of ruling. But in fact, he's, he's up on some mountaintop 
making a big song and dance, making these sacrifices. It would have taken days or weeks to perform. So in actual fact, Solomon isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing at all. Well, it turns out you can't really run from God as we know. He can't run from God in his sleep. And that is exactly where God finds young Solomon. He comes to Solomon in a dream, we're told. And he asks Solomon, Solomon, what do you want? What is it that you tr truly want? Now, it's important for us to notice at this point that that there's no promise from God at this point to give him whatever Solomon asked for. It's simply an invitation to ask. God wants to know what's on Solomon's heart. You see, by asking, Solomon will reveal to God what he really wants. Does he simply want his own glory, his own prestige, or is he after what God wants from him? I think the same is true with you and I, isn't it? I mean, in the quietness of your own room, in the quietness of your own prayer life where no one else is watching, what do you really ask for? I mean, what is it you really want? Is it your own glory, your own agendas to be fulfilled, or, or do you want what God wants? It's an important question to ask. Maybe ask yourself, what is it that I, that I ask for God really? What's on my heart? What, what, what am I really seeking in, in this life? Of course, uh, Solomon uh, very famously knows that he's out of his depth. And so he, it's his one saving grace. He, he realizes that he's in way over his head. And so he, he, he famously asks God in one of the, a moment of inspired wisdom, you know, in one of history's great decisions, rather than asking God for great wealth or power or prestige or long life, he actually cries out to God, look, I'm a child. He thanks God for the faithfulness that he'd shown to his father. Always a good way to start your prayer life, by the way. Thanking God, praising God for his faithfulness. He says, you, you're so faithful to my father, but, but I am just a child. How am I going to govern these people? I love the honesty of Solomon at this point. He's honest with God. He says to God, I'm in over my head. I'm out of my depth, Lord. Help me, please help me. Friend, know that you can be honest with God as well. Please don't think you need to clean up your language before God. He's, not, he's big enough to not be offended or troubled by you. You can be honest. You can tell him if you're angry. Tell him if you're scared. Tell him how you really feel. This is what Solomon does here. And rather than asking for wealth and for prestige and for honor for himself, he says, Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to rule these people. God is pleased with this request because rather than asking for himself, he puts the needs of the kingdom first. And I also want you to note here that Solomon doesn't simply just hand it back over to God. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm not up to this challenge. She have it back. He says, Heavenly Father, help me to do what you call me to do. Help me to perform the task that you are calling me to perform. I think there's a, a very subtle difference there. It's an important difference. Lord, help me to do what you are calling me to do. There's a poet by the name of Elizabeth Brown who comments on this. I like what she says. She says, quite often when we, when we pray to God, God responds by throwing down a gauntlet with a gift in it. I like that. Throwing down a gauntlet is a, 
is a challenge, isn't it? God will often give us a challenge, but inside is a gift for us. And that's what happens here. Rather than asking for himself, Solomon asks for wisdom and discerning to know how to rule the people that God is pleased. And he not only gives him that wisdom, he also gives him everything else beside. And to this day, Solomon is known for both his tremendous wisdom and his incredible wealth. I think that can be a bit of a danger for us because I think a lot of people just think, well, he was born with his incredible wisdom and wealth. But you and I know better, don't we? We know that everything that Solomon had is a result of God's incredible graciousness. If we know this story, we know that he wasn't born with it. We will know that he was completely out of his depth. And it was only as a result of God's goodness and graciousness to, to Solomon that he had all that he had. So I think as a result of this story, we can, we can know that if we're feeling out of our depth, particularly in the time of lockdown, when it seems as though everything is kind of out of our control, we can go to God and we can be honest. We can stop giving up trying to be something that we're not. We can stop pretending. We can stop thinking that we need to have everything under control. We can stop trying to think that we can do everything in our own strength with our own cleverness and ingenuity because it's only when we let go and we let God that He does some of His best work through us. When we say, Lord, I'm not up to this, come and help me, then we liberate ourselves and God is able to come and work miraculously through us and perform things through us. So let me close with a couple of questions for you, a couple of challenges. Are you, are you procrastinating? Uh, maybe you're in one of your own high places at the moment thinking that you can do it all. Please note you don't need to do that. Please know you don't need to put on a show to be a good Australian, that just being nice to the neighbours and paying your taxes on time. Anyone can do that. If you're simply doing that, remember that you're probably just still standing on the beach. You're probably not taking the plunge like one of these surfers at all. Remember that Jesus himself also took the plunge for you. I reckon Jesus himself at times felt that he was a little bit in over his head, at least from an, an earthly perspective and a fleshly perspective. On the night that he was betrayed, on the night that he suffered a was about to suffer a horrendous death. He was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, if there was any other way, Lord, take it from me. But he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. He says, we're told to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to us as well. Jesus went in over his death. He died a death for you and for I. He died in order that we might live. Can I encourage you this week that if you're feeling as though you're in over your head, if you're feeling as though you're, you're out of the depth, well, well, join the club. Ministers do as well. I sometimes wonder how have I managed to fool them for this long? And then I remember it's not Pete Chapman's strength that I'm doing this in. It's, it's actually God's. When I surrender myself to God and say, Lord, here I am, Lord, this day is yours, this week is yours, come and use me, have your will. It's then, when I let go of the reins, and I stop trying to do things in my own strength, that God is able to work through me. Can I encourage you this week to look to Solomon, to look to his very wise prayer to say, use me, Lord, help me where I'm at to do the job that you've called me to do. Look to Jesus Christ, who indeed went to death 
for you took on the ultimate plunge dove in way over his head uh, and trusted God to bring him through the other side to bring him out the other side which of course he did and then some can I challenge you to know that even if you feel over your head know that you can surrender to God take the plunge knowing that he will bring you safely through to the other side amen